<laughs> Hello and welcome to the Angry Microwave. I am Brad and as always I'm joined by the editor of theangrymicrowave.com, Callum. Callum, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you, Bradley? I'm very well. We're just coming into uh, 2020 um, and we are today talking about our favourite films of 2019. Um, I don't know if our lists are going to be similar or vastly different because we haven't yeah. actually discussed this um, <laughs> yet. We're saving it for you guys. That's how special you are. I'm going to also very quickly define what our list is based on. So it's, it's complicated, it's, isn't so it? So it's based mainly on 2019 UK release dates, but that's fluctuated a bit because I went to London Film Festival mm-hmm. and we've both seen a few previews of films coming out in January, February. Yeah. So it's basically 2019 UK releases yeah. plus this year's Oscar season mainly. Yeah. So it's, there's a bit of an overlap. So... Obviously, we're not just going for the films that qualify for the Oscars because I don't know about you, but maybe I've got one or two films that qualified for last year's Oscars in there. Yeah. Um, and so there's a bit of an overlap. Um, but overall, the general gist is our favourite films of 2019. And we were saying yesterday when mm. we went to see Jojo Rabbit, you're seeing it for the second time. Yeah. Um, that there are no films this year which are like the the big smashed it out clear favourite. This is the best film of the year personally because it feels like everyone's kind of got a different opinion but I do feel like this year I've never had such a struggle getting a top 10 list together <laughs> but for the right reasons oh my god my list has literally changed two or three times over the past yeah. like 24 hours I've, alone I've got about 25 films on here and I've ma- just managed to narrow it down about three seconds ago narrowed it down to my top 10 so yeah. if we quickly talk about our honorable mentions then we'll go from 10 to 1 uh, and talk about our favorite films of 2019 okay so do you want to go first for your massive list yes so um so we talk about the, the films uh, very briefly and then we'll go in more depth when we talk about them in our top 10 uh so honorable mentions I've got Jumanji too. I thought that was fun. Oh really? Um, I, 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 again, it's not one of the best films of the year, but I do. It's an honourable mention for me because I I enjoyed it quite a lot. That's interesting. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood isn't in my top ten. The same. Um, oh, how a, interesting! Quite a, a big movie. Um, I lo- I did like it quite a lot, but I I don't I don't see. I don't think that they think Tarantino did one of the best directing jobs of 2019. I think they want him to go to the BAFTAs. I think that's what it is. I think that's why Greta Gerwig's not nominated. But anyway, politics aside, uh, I, I thought Once Upon a Time Hollywood was good, but not my top The time. substance is good, but I don't think the film was great. Yeah. I think that's my issue. So, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, oh, I forgot they came out this a, year. A great, um, a great uh, comic book movie. Not my favourite uh, favorite comic book movie of the year. Um, talking of comic book movies, Endgame. Not in my top 10, oh, wow. uh, which is going to upset a few people when you hear what my number 10 is. Well, we'll talk about this <laughs> in the podcast, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, Toy Story 4. Uh, the first time a Toy Story movie hasn't been in my top 10. Same granted, for me. Granted, oh, really? Yeah, it was You're a big Toy Story guy. It wasn't, it wasn't even in my honourable mentions, Toy wow. Story. You disappointed that much? Yeah, like... It felt very extra on top of the Toy Story franchise rather than being right. within it for me. Right, okay. So, it's no Toy Story 3, is it? It's no Toy Story 3. Impeccable. Maybe Crown <laughs> Train, that one. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, in 2015, <laughs> I think it was one of the first times that we did our favourite movies of the year list. My number one was The Force Awakens. And now Episode 9 isn't in my top 10, which saddens me. But I did watch it for the second time the other day and I enjoyed it a lot more. It's a bit like The Last Jedi. I think like yeah. once you get your expectations, well, expectations in check for those yeah. Star Wars films, yeah. they become more, more enjoyable. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't wait for the 2025 edition where we're like, um, I can't believe people don't like uh, the Disney Star Wars trilogy because we're probably going to end up loving it. Uh, the Irishman. Um, I am a massive Scorsese fan. He's the re- uh, reason that I make movies. He's the reason I talk about movies. Um, but The Irishman isn't in my top ten. And I'm guessing we'll talk about that movie a little bit later on. Are we made it. Um, God, I've got loads How of have um, you got? Uh, Hustlers. Um, Hustlers isn't in my top 10 I love that movie I thought that was great but not in my top 10 um, Two Popes which I watched today 
Um, we can have a spin-off podcast. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but that's how good this year was for film. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, uh, the two popes I watched today have come out in 2019. I thought it was a great film, but uh, as we said um, on the journey on the way over to this podcast, um, I think the um, the actors kind of carried that movie. Um, but it is a good movie. Uh, Frozen 2 was in my top 10 for so long. Oh, no, I, I thought it was great. I love Frozen 2. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we shouldn't be saying this as, like, 20-year-old guys. But, like, Frozen... 20-year-old? I'm always 30, mate. <laughs> you still got a two-star of your age. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Frozen franchise goes from strength to strength. Yeah. And I, I still can't believe that The Lion King... Well, it's beaten The Frozen this year, which it doesn't yeah. deserve to. No. But no, the Frozen 2 was the best movie. Lion King, not in my top 10. Um, and Doctor Sleep, until three minutes ago, Ooh. was in my top 10. Doctor Sleep was in my top... T- it was in my top five for a, a very long time. I think it was definitely one of the most interesting films this year, yeah. by a long way. Like, if we were doing interesting films, like, yeah. it definitely would have been in my top three. It, yeah. it felt like it did a lot of stuff that no other film's done this year. Yeah. No, so. I, I, I thought it was a strong movie, but all of those, there must have been what... 15 movies I just talked about, <laughs> none of them are in my top 10. But that's, that's how I think how strong this year was um, for, for movies. But anyway, do you have any honourable mentions that I didn't mention? Well, well I've been a bit more strict this year. <laughs> I've only done three honourable mentions. <laughs> okay. So so coming up at, well, what would be number 13? Yeah. Um, Parasite. I really, really enjoyed Parasite. It was just there were like 10, 10 other better films for me. Right. Um, Still, it's got quite a late release. Uh, release. Like yeah, there, it, it? yeah, it's it's not released until mid February. Right. Okay. So that's after the Baftas. So it's so it's nominated for Baftas. Right. But it hasn't got a UK release. So right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> Baftas so white. Go on. <laughs> um. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, it. it was proper like kind of like hustlers kind of film, and yeah. I really yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. It just wasn't in my top ten for me. Okay. Um. Coming at number twelve, re- very weirdly, and I'll be surprised to see this on anyone else's list. The comedy Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg. Really? I really, really, really enjoyed that film. Right. And, I, and I feel like it was probably one of the best comedies I've seen this year. Right. One of the best. There may be another one. Okay, right. <laughs> um, right. I just really enjoyed it. It was a really good yeah. feel-good film. And I was kind of just struck about how this film just kind of like slept. I and mean, then it just came out in the UK. And it was a, yeah. one of my top films this year. I watched it the other day. I, I do think that every time I see Rose Byrne, she's incredible in everything. Oh, yeah. She, 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 she can do comedy. She can do the drama. She's, she is great. <laughs> I saw Sunshine a while back in the cinema um, this year, well, last year now, and she was great in that, and I kind of forgot yeah. how great she was. Yeah, she's she's great in everything. And then number 11, well, my third honourable mention, because <laughs> the honourable mention is not list, is Vice. Oh, so okay. Vice is one of those weird films that came out quite late for us, yeah. but it was in the award season last yeah. year, yeah. so I kind of... I kind of placed it in my honourable mentions yeah. box. Cause well, it... maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more <laughs> uh, detail uh, later on. Uh, so those are our uh, honourable mentions. And um, between us, there's probably about 20 movies we just talked about. Um, so let's go straight into... Straight into... How long are we into this? 20 minutes into the podcast. Uh, let's go into the uh, the top 10 movies uh, that we have um, for 2019. Uh, if you want to start off with your number 10. So number 10, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, right. Have you I seen have, Uncut I Gems? I haven't seen it. Um... Uh, in case you haven't noticed or in case you haven't picked up the subtle hints that Callum's been dropping in the last few podcasts, he went to the London Film Festival. Is this where you saw Uncut Jam? It was a surprise screening at London right. Film Festival. Okay. And it was a fucking ride. Not to okay. swear. Right. Okay. <laughs> it, was one, it was probably one of the most anxiety-inducing films I've ever seen. Oh, okay. And, like, the two hours flew by. Adam Sandler's great in it. And it just spirals out of control to a point where you're, like, relieved when it gets to the conclusion. Right. Which is quite a... Right. Okay. Yeah. Conclusion. So is, is it quite a, a uh, 
a sweaty palm kind of film. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like seeing it in a cinema is a perfect way to see it. You're kind of like right. trapped in with everybody else. Right. And you're all in the same situation watching it all unfold. Has that been released over here yet? Um, it's released next week in the UK, I believe. Oh, okay. So. Well, then... Maybe I'll, I'll give that a crack if it's in your top ten. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I don't I don't really want to speak much more about it because the yeah. twists and turns it makes yeah. kind of like is the film. Okay, well I was worried that yeah. Adam Sandler carried that movie, but that's not the case you're saying. I mean, Adam Sandler is the movie in this case, right, so, okay. so it's not as if he's carrying it. He is the film, okay. like very front and centre, and, it, and it's basically like a tornado around him. Okay. So yeah, it's... Well, the viewers can't ask this because obviously they'll be watching this after the fact, so I'll ask you for them. Is it as good as Ridiculous Sex? <laughs> forgot that was about <laughs> your face for a second um, bless him he means well doesn't he um, so that's your number 10 yes okay uh, my number 10 I think what might upset a few comic book fans um, not Endgame uh, not Spider-Man is Shazam uh, Shazam for me was probably one of my favourite comedies of the year and I do look really? at it like it's a comedy I was busting my gut just laughing <laughs> so much uh, in that movie uh, I think it's got great heart I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next I'm in I'm really fascinated to see how they tie this in with Black Adam because I'm not sure how Dwayne Johnson's going to fit in this universe <laughs> um, but I, I think it's fascinating and I've, I've, I've had a great time with it and I've not much more to say now so you put Shazam over Endgame I did because I've watched them both since and I think watching I think the best experience the second best experience the third best experience I had yeah. in the cinema this year, in terms of spectacle and just taking my breath away, was Endgame. I do feel like that kind of lost a bit of its um, bit of its uh, appeal on uh, second viewing, mm. especially when watching it at home. Whereas watching this at home, like most comedies, it doesn't matter what screen you watch it on, it's funny. Um, <laughs> and that's why it kind of just held up a bit more than, than Endgame um, for me. Uh, so what is your number nine? So number nine, we've already spoken about it, is Scorsese's Irishman. Okay. So I'm a bit conflicted in this list. So I saw it, not to brag. At the London Film Festival. <laughs> it was introduced by um, De Niro, Al Pacino and Scorsese. And it was, so, so the room was very hyped. Yeah. And I feel like that probably gave me a better experience. I'm mm. yet to see it again, so it may drop down or it may even go up. But at the time, like the three and a half hours flew by and it felt like literally witnessing somebody's life go by in front of you and it was a full like lifetime story. Okay. And I just really yeah. appreciated it for what it was. It wasn't trying to be anything. It was a Scorsese like love project and that comes across very much. Yeah. There's some amazing performances in it. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just one of those films where it was like, again, a journey yeah. and an experiential kind of film more than a just, this is a straight up film. Well, the film, like it spans half a century, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's got, it's quite a lot of film. Um, I just couldn't get over, excuse me, how long it was. Yeah. Um, and I know people say that, you know, just because a film is long doesn't make it bad, and that's true. One of my favourite films of all time is The Revenant, <laughs> and some people say that they just can't sit through the whole thing. Mm. Um, but for me, it just felt like some of this, some of the dialogue scenes just felt a little too long in the tooth for me personally. But then again, I was watching it at home and I hadn't just met my idols uh, five <laughs> minutes before it, so maybe yeah. that's, that's I, why. I was watching a thing the other day, um, a documentary about the VFX for it, and Scorsese was saying that they were literally, well, no, it was the Hollywood roundtable that we do with all the directors. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how he was literally editing up until the week before. Gosh. And I think that maybe kind of like is why it doesn't feel like it's been properly edited. Right. Like probably waiting for those like VFX shots. Could you imagine editing, 
getting all these VFX shots rented on Netflix. We're not just going to use now yeah. of, of, of what we spent like 20 mil on. Yeah. So I think that probably may be why. So um, was this because to make it eligible for the Oscars? Is that yeah. why it was editing right up until the last minute? But that's why they had to get it out when they did. Yeah, basically. Right, okay. like, well, I think it's going to turn out well for them because <laughs> they've been nominated for everything else, aren't they? Yeah, I, I've seen a really good thing on Twitter about somebody break it down to chapters. So The Hateful Eight did that on Netflix quite recently. Mm-hmm. They broke it down into separate chapters. And I think it may benefit from home viewing into being split into those chapters yeah. and work really well. So, Well, naturally, I had to split into chapters because you know, <laughs> I had 14 kids and you know 14 family deaths in the time that took me to finish that movie. Um, my number nine is a movie we saw yesterday, uh, a movie that you saw at the London Film Festival, because you saw everything there, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, I really like that movie a lot. Um, I, th- I do think it's got a great combination of heart and uh, drama. Um, going off what we were talking about after we saw the movie yesterday, I agree with you. I don't know if this is on your top ten or not. Um, it's not. It's not. I know your problem is that you think it switches too aggressively from comedy to drama. Yeah. I do agree with that, and I think if it wasn't for that, it would be higher up my list. But I do think the drama works well, and I think the comedy works well. And it's... I think because they both work well, for me, that adjustment, I can kind of forgive that. Um, but I, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, for me, I just feel like it's two separate movies, and it, it's very not like smooth when it switches between them for me. Right. I think both of them are amazing films. Like the drama is done really well by Taika. Yes. It's probably some of the best drama I've seen him direct. Yeah. Um, rather than the comedy, feels very satirish in a great way. But it just it's very hard to go between. Yeah. Like Taika playing Hitler to then seeing like Nazis murder people is yeah, it's, quite a switch of points. Yeah, and it, <laughs> so some part of that, if you watched, I think, the last, uh, maybe last 20 minutes of that film and you walked into the cinema very, very late or something <laughs> or you walked in, your nan was watching it, you'd think they were just watching a straight-up war movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the when you're doing that, it's like watching Saving Private Ryan um, mixed with Monty Python. You're like, what is happening here? What are these two worlds? And it does feel like that sometimes, but for me, that that was kind of... The pleasure. And the ending shot's also great, the ending view. Yes. I think that's one of the best bits of the film. Yeah. So, yeah. What is your number eight? So, number eight, Booksmart. Oh, okay. Has disappeared on your list? Uh, We'll we'll come up later, so maybe we'll talk about it a bit more more then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And number eight for me, I think we're going to talk about a little bit later for you, which is Knives Out. Um, Yes, so should we... So, Knives Out is my number seven. Let's talk about that now. So, let's go straight into it. Um, Knives Out, it's it's Ryan Johnson's baby. It's literally... It's, it's what he was made to make, I feel. Like, it just fitted so well. The mm-hmm. cast was amazing. Yeah. And I've seen it twice now, and there's so many tiny things which you pick up on. Like, every time they say that the girl is from a different country, well, from, yeah, from abroad, it's a different country every single time they say it. Right. And it's tiny little things like that that make it so great. Mm. It's just... And, and they're already working on sequels. And I, I think it's, it, kind of, it translates well for sequels. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does because he, he does make great original content. People's biggest problem with his Star Wars movies is that it felt too <laughs> un-Star Wars-y. Yeah. Um, and it was very much a Ryan Johnson film. Uh, and I, I think the dialogue hits home, apart from the CSI KFC joke, which I, <laughs> it still still doesn't land for me. Um, but I think it's a great movie. A great cast, great direction. Um and I'm, I'm curious what you, you think about the rewatchability factor. Does oh, it take it, anything away when you know what happened? It adds so much more because you're expecting it. So it kind of gives you a chance to start looking at the little okay, you, bits. So which you are, appreciate it more. It also has the best product placement in a film last year of okay. Lotus Biscuits. <laughs> 
where Chris Evans just sits there eating Lotus Biscuits and that's all I could think about that I wanted to go and get some Lotus Biscuits. Right, okay. So this episode is brought to you by Lotus Biscuits. Um, have uh, you seen what Ryan Johnson's tweeted about Daniel Craig's accent in the sequel? No. So each sequel is going to have a different mad accent. So, so, so it's been a Texan accent and there's going to be no explanation to it. So it'd be a Texan accent. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe it might be like some like like French accent next, like we right, don't know, okay. and there'll be no explanation to it at all. <laughs> well, I think I think the film felt fresh. It made the um, the murder mystery genre uh, feel fresh. It felt very 21st century, and I loved it. I'm looking forward to the next one. And I'm so glad it's a franchise, which is going to be great. And it's mm-hmm. not gonna. It's an original, original. Uh, product, isn't it? It's an original um, and IP. So. Yeah, and different cast each time. Yeah. I, I think that's gonna be really interesting. And I think I think. Actors are going to want to jump on board for this. I mean, this cast is amazing for like for an original film with, with no backing at all. Yeah. And then there's going to be like seeing the success of this, mm-hmm. it's going to make all these other actors want to come on board. And yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to watching the next one. I, I think it's a worthy a worthy uh, placeholder on this list. Um, so number seven for me is Booksmart. Uh, so let's <laughs> so <that's>, uh, <laughs> talk about your number eight, my number seven, Booksmart. I think. Um, it 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 was just funny, wasn't it? It was probably like yeah. one of the funniest films of the year. <laughs> uh, it worked. I think the drama worked. I think the performances are great. Everybody's great, um, it? and it it felt. What I heard going into this is that oh, well, this is just super bad, but with females, and it's far from that. It's like it, it, there's so many more levels on it, yeah. and, it and it's really relatable. Like yeah, it, it's it like, feels so like even real. to us for like guys in our twenties again. Yeah, it's so relatable from having yeah. those experiences like as yeah. teenage boys and all that kind mm. of stuff. But who hasn't accidentally started playing porn really loud in the back <laughs> of a cab? You know, like. Um, but it, I think it's funny. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Olivia Wilde directs next. I think she did a great job in this. Um, uh, I don't know what else you can say. It's just really funny. Yeah, like I think the biggest comparison for me was um, Good Boys kind of came out around at the same time. Okay. And it kind of showed how much more depth um, Booksmart had compared yeah. to Good Boys. Right. It just did so much more for me on so many different levels. Yeah. And yeah, it's great, great a great film. And I'm not too sure how well it did over here. So if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend picking it up. I'm sure it hasn't been released on Blu-ray sense. over here, which is mad. Has it not? It, no, it never got a Blu-ray release, just DVDs. That's insane. a shame. Well, if you can watch it legally somehow <laughs> uh, definitely do it's a, it's a great film um, what is your number six so my number six is a film that came out in mid 2018 in America right. but it took ages to get a release over right. here it's 8th grade oh okay I have, I have yet to see this movie 8th uh, grade no I have seen this movie this is Bo Burnham isn't it yeah yes okay what did you think um, I God, I feel like I watched that literally two years ago um, <laughs> I probably did um I thought it was good. I thought it was a good coming of age story. Yeah, exactly. uh, it felt yeah. unique, bit a bit like books might. It felt like you could feel someone's voice coming through uh, in that movie. Mm. Um, I really liked it. It wouldn't be an angry microwave podcast without me talking about boyhood. Oh, here we go. And it feels. How very... did you manage to work <laughs> that one in there? And it feels very much like a companion piece to boyhood, but in a in a way more modern kind of like setting with like Facebook, Twitter, all those social medias and phones that kids now have. Right. And I really appreciated it for that. It was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was a great reflection on society these days that yeah. like we'll probably never be able to kind of understand but I feel like yeah. this film gives us a lot of lot to kind of take in and see what younger kids are kind of feeling these days if I get my 13 year old cousin to sit down and watch this movie I'm pretty sure she'd think well that character on the screen is me like it, <laughs> it is it is like that isn't it and yeah. but it's it's yeah but a great unique uh, voice coming through and I really enjoyed that film uh, what number are we on? Six? Yeah, six. Uh, number six. So a movie we saw yesterday, Bombshell. Um, oh, number six? Number six. Wow. Um, I thought it was going to be higher than that because I actually loved it. 
but just going through that there are just five movies that I loved more I don't know if this is on your list at all no it, um, it, it's not but the performances are outstanding and it, uh, it honestly took me until her name come on screen five minutes into it it took me five minutes to realise that was Charlize Theron yeah exactly the same I, I didn't, had I didn't no realise until after on IMDb that yeah. it was her it yeah was... she's incredible isn't she yeah um, I think everyone everyone does a great job Mark Duplass Charlotte's in bed you know everyone's a winner um, I think I just think this movie is John Lithgow's amazing in it as well I think he's so I th- good I think he's quite an unsung hero yeah. in this film um, his performance is amazing yeah this is the best he's been since he played Churchill two years ago in The Crown um, but <laughs> but it, honestly he's, he's unrecognisable everything from his uh, his posture his mannerisms his, oh, his, his demeanour is disgusting it's, but it's, it, it, yeah he just feels like such a sleazeball yeah um and the guy who played, uh, Malcolm McDowell, who played... Um, I didn't realise that was him until yeah. I went on IMDb after. Honestly, and I was like... he does the best impression. And he looks just like uh, Rupert Murdoch to the extent where oh, I, I, I wanted, to to the throw, I wanted to throw up. He does <laughs> such a good job. Um, but I thought it was, incre- I thought it was incredible. Uh, it's, it's very... Um, uh, it's, I think it's, it's quite poignant. I think it's quite an important film as well. Um, and very fascinating, I think, for the UK audience, uh, as we said after the film, mm. that because Trump kind of overshadowed everything that was happening in America at the time, this whole storyline never really reached us, I don't think. No, I think um, yeah, it was... So I don't know what the outcome was going to be. I don't know what's going on. Um, but Margot Robbie's incredible. And Nicole Kidman, everyone is incredible. And I think it's... When is it released over here? Next week? Um, probably. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd, it's definitely worth a watch, I'd say. Well, clearly, because it's in my top <laughs> ten. Uh, so, our top five. Talk to oh, me. Oh, the, the big ones. The big, the big guys. So, this is a film I saw at Sundance London this year. Right. And it was introduced... <laughs> I, wait. So, I've seen, like... Most of these films are introduced by the cast, which is mad. Which is probably why they're right. in my top ten. But they're also amazing films. <laughs> He's been bought. <laughs> um, so Lulu Wang introduced The Farewell. I'm not sure if you've seen The Farewell. I haven't, no. It's got Aquafina in. And yes. She's she's doing well with that, isn't she? She's getting a lot of nominations. Kind of like semi-autobiographical. Yeah, you got that. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Lulu Wang. And, and you really feel like her heart like, like behind the film. Yeah. Because it's her story that she's telling. I, and it was shot like near her hometown and it was all yeah it's just such a great and I, I don't really want to tell you what happens because I didn't know going in it, right. it was very much an unknown film for me it was a film where I had a space in my day at Sundance so I went to go and as see you that. do you know you've got to kill time <laughs> when you're at Sundance um, so yeah I don't really want to say that much because you haven't seen it no when but, is it out over here um, it, it came out last summer Oh, did it? It had a very, very, very quiet release because right. I think it, I think it may have been a pitch house release, right? Okay, or a curtain, so it wasn't right. in many cinemas around us. Okay, so I have to pick this up on streaming somewhere. <laughs> okay, but yeah, like it's just one of those films that I wasn't really expecting, and it really hit me hard emotionally okay. that I wasn't really expecting to be hit by. <laughs> okay, well, you got hit and you enjoyed it. So, <laughs> um, number five for me, I think it's going to be much higher up on your list is Marriage Story. Um, do we talk about that later on? Yeah. We'll talk about that later, very later on. on. Yeah, very much later on. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, you're number four. Um, little Woman. Ah, oh, Little Women. Are we going to speak about this? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's higher up on my list. Um, number four for me is Vice. Um, oh, so okay. we can talk about that now. Yeah. Um, Vice, for me, has stuck with me ever since I saw it. I saw it almost exactly a year ago. It came out, I think, mid to late January over mm. here. Um it's incredible. I've honestly, it is a film that made me 
angry. It's a film that made me laugh at someone that I found so revolting going into it. Christian Bale is incredible. Um, everything from the fact that when the titles go up 20 minutes into the film, you're like, what is happening? Are, are we over now? What's, what's going on? The editing in this film is a narrator in itself. Oh, it's... yeah. If, I don't know what won best editing that year, um, <laughs> but that was probably one of the strongest, um, one of the best edited films I've seen in a long time. Um, and it, it stuck with me. I think about that film about every four weeks or so. Like, I just <laughs> randomly think about it because, it honestly, it just stuck with me so much. Um, I think that's why Bombshell probably wasn't in my list because of Vice kind of being in my honorable mentions. Yeah. And it, Stylistically, they're similar, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but, but, but I feel like Vice has a bit more oomph to it. Yeah. And it's a bit more braver to do what it does. Yeah, Vice, I think the, the thing is, with Vice, you've got so much... <laughs> you've got, you've got a, a lead a real-life character that is so revolting, <laughs> and you're allowed to say he's just straight-up revolting, um, that they kind of just went full hog uh, with that. But Christian Bale is... Honestly, sometimes yeah. I look at the, the poster of that and I forget that it's Christian Bale. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, Christian Bale. And also Adam McKay, who directs it. Yeah. I feel like his voice yeah. is so loud and prominent at the yeah. moment in film. So he directed The Big Short as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think Vice is so much stronger in terms of just pacing, uh, like just the strength of the film. But I think maybe that's because of what... Um, he took from the big short as well. But, yeah, this is why I'm really excited to see what the director of Bombshell does next because it's yeah. kind of the same thing where Bombshell and the big short yeah. kind of are very similar films and yeah. I'll probably rate them roughly the same. Yeah. So, so the next film, if, well, from that director, it's, it's going to be a, like a must watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like if you haven't seen Vice, I'd, I'd really recommend it. Um, but if you hadn't seen the big short beforehand, if you go into this just thinking it's a you know like a an autobiographical <laughs> movie you'll be like what is happening here um it's it's strong it's so strong um and that's why it's my number four uh your number three so number three this is a film i haven't seen on many other people's lists okay and i doubt it's gonna be in your top three okay it's jordan peele's us oh it's not in my top three i it's thought this was three. a fantastic film it was a great yeah. follow-up to get out mm -hmm. i mean i know it wasn't like really that critically came yeah but i really enjoyed it and i think it's a great film like Lupita. Lupita Nyong'o. That one. Yeah. <laughs> um, her performance like, should be nominated for Oscars. She was The fact that she's not being nominated for that is criminal. It's insane. It's, she's so good. Um, Everybody in this, like their performances are so, so, so strong. Yeah. And there's no other film like this. It's so original. And it's one of those films where the more you rewatch it, the more you start to see like everything unfold kind yeah. of a bit more. And also like the score for it, the score, I can just hear it in my yeah. head now. It's... It's something else. See, it's just one film. Yeah, I just can't really forget this film. And I think that's probably why it's number three in my list. For me, I think this suffers from um, the same problem as The Last Jedi. In that, <laughs> I think it's such a strong movie. But going into it, expectations were so high because of what Jordan Peele did beforehand. So mm. like, for everyone, like, a lot of people love The Force <laughs> Awakens. And then they watched The Last Jedi. I was like, what's happening here? I think because Get Out was so strong. A lot of people were disappointed, and I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I really liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was very strong, but it just hasn't stuck with me. And the fact that I forgot to put it on my honourable <laughs> mentions, and it would go on my honourable mentions, um, but it's it's so good. And I think the horror works as well. Like those masks, yeah. like the the faces. It's so like, creepy. Awful. Oh god, and her voice, like when yeah. oh, oh, the, like, the voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> That's exactly mad. what happens. I, I mean, I basically should, I should be in this film. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just yeah it's just like visually they're so like like the red jumpsuits like holding hands across America yeah oh there's just so yeah there's so much to love about this movie 
Um, but again, unfortunately, not not as many people turn out to see it as saw um, Get Out, I believe. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but even if they did, it hasn't really stuck around um, in people's minds for as long, which is a shame, because I do think it's a strong movie. Yeah, it kind of came out quite early in the year as well, and, yeah. I, and I know that films kind of suffer with that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, my number three is Little Women. Uh, we can talk about this now. Oh. Uh, I'm not normally a sucker for period pieces. Oh, um, I'm the exact same. I do not get on with them. No. And for the first 20 minutes, I thought, okay, well, it's a, it's a period piece. But as the film develops, and the pacing in this film is so strong, um, and the direction, Greta Gerwig did an incredible job. The fact that you know she's being pushed out because people love Tarantino's uh, feet obsession more. <laughs> um but I I just uh, I I love this movie. Saoirse Ronan is incredible. Timothy Chalamet, your boy, he <laughs> smashes it. Everyone put the picture. Every, everyone just sm- knocks the ball out of the park here. Um, I I've, I could name every, you know Florence Pugh. I think she does oh, a great job. What a year she's had as well. She's had a great year. Fighting, Fighting with Fighting my family. family was on my top ten for a long time. I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but she's she's done a great job. Um, but Greta Gerwig, honestly, I, I, my heart breaks that she's she's not getting more um, awards uh, and you know awards yeah. um, nominations. Um, I was watching but, the Hollywood Roundtable earlier, and and she was in it, and she was talking about how Spielberg had a huge hand in this film. Um, so Little Women and um, Lincoln are both set in the same year. So oh, okay. uh, so Spielberg shared all all of his research into lighting techniques. Um, right. and all that kind of stuff and I thought the cinematography in this is really strong isn't it yeah um, it is. honestly but yeah it's, I I watched it and if it wasn't for the other two films that are on my, uh, my my top two list it was very close to getting there I'd, I'd say you could easily these are all the three of my top three are interchangeable uh, but that's why it's number three on my list I do think it's, in, it's incredible um, and I hope it does yeah. well financially because I really wasn't expecting it to be in my no, top ten no um, and it, it feels quite unique it does feel like a unique voice coming through same as like we said with Bombshell and Vice it feels like you know I wasn't just watching a period piece I was watching you know an artist's interpretation of a period piece uh, yeah and it felt like a really modern story like, yeah, like it which was a yeah. really odd experience and yeah yeah, but our top two, so the uh, the big boys and girls, um, top two. Sorry, I've got a bit of hay fever. That's why I'm <laughs> blinking like a madman. Um, your second favorite movie of the year. Talk to me. Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Are you upset? It wasn't in my top ten. I was. I was surprised it was in your top ten. Yeah. It was just. It, it was for a while. It was for a while. Um, but for me, it didn't stick around as long in my memory. But talk, talk to me about why you love it. That scene at the end where they come through the circles, I don't think there's been any other cinematic event that has had that push and impact for me, personally. It's one of those things where it actually, I think, very few times... I mean, it happens a couple of times a year, obviously with the best movies, but like I I cried because I was just so like... Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it just—it was. I was just so overwhelmed, like yeah. with just joy, and I felt giddy watching that. And I think that's probably my—it's f- my second favorite cinematic moment of the year. I'll talk about my favorite moment in the film with my number one. Um, but it, it's that moment, in, in you know, it was incredible. It had so much oomph to it, and yeah. and like Downey Jr.'s performance in it, like it just felt like a full combination of everything coming together yeah. at once. And I know it's been said plenty of times before, so I won't talk about it that much. Yeah. But but like having all those films behind it, it just mm-hmm. added so much weight to it. Yeah. And it felt like such a conclusion that I don't think we'll get for like decades to come. Like, like I can't no. imagine them doing a film like this in any saga really no. for like the next like 10, 20 years. Like I can't imagine it happening in Star Wars 
because I I felt like Rise of a Skywalker tries to have that moment at the end and it didn't really yeah. work as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, Fast and Furious. Oh, let's all drive our cars together. Yeah. Like I, I just can't imagine like a, a, a film like Endgame that has yeah. so much like history and backing all coming together in this one giant battle. Okay. And it just ha- yeah, it just felt mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, in a way, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'm a I'm a comic book guy. I mean, give me as many comic book movies as you can. Um, but I, I do think it's almost a shame that we're getting more Marvel movies after this because that was almost a perfect conclusion. I'm yeah. not complaining because I want I want them forever. Um, <laughs> but it, it is such a strong such a strong film. Um, but again, what hasn't already been said about, about <laughs> Avengers Endgame? It's what I mean at this point. Like I don't need to drill it down anymore. It was just one of those films which we probably won't get for like another 10, 20 years. So that was your number two, yep. which means I think I know what your number one was, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. My number two is Joker. I oh, really? was so in love with this movie. It made me, it gave me goosebumps for, for just, you know, social awkwardness. Uh, it just, it just, you know, there are moments in this film that made me feel giddy. There are moments in this film that made me want to cry for the lead. I think Wacken Phoenix, I think that probably is one of the best film, uh, one of the best performances that we've seen this year that wasn't from Adam Driver because he's been smashing <laughs> it out of the park with everything he's doing, uh, which I think we're going to talk about shortly with you. Maybe. Um, but I, I just love, I, I love this movie. Um, I, I know they're talking about a second one, which I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but just as a, you know, as a guy who, like I said, grew up watching Scorsese movies, and Scorsese is the reason why I want to make movies. It borrows a lot from from the early <laughs> Scorsese um, arsenal, but. I, 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 th- I think it's great. What more can you say? Um, yeah. I, I think it's just an incredible movie. My second favourite of the year. Which leads to our number one for you. Can I have a guess? Maybe. Is it Marriage Story? It is Marriage Story. Story. Right, go on, run oh, away. So go where on, do we start away. this film? Adam, Adam Driver, <laughs> phenomenal. Noah Bambach? I can never say his name properly. Bambach, Bambach. You know the guy. Um, <laughs> his dialogue is just so on point yeah. he's literally it's so Aaron sorkin in that every mm. single break is in the script yeah. like where we talk over each other it's all planned out and that's, I think that that's, yeah. where, that's where the strength of the, the script and the direction comes in like you said like it feels so natural that I, I couldn't help but assume that a lot of that was improvised but it yeah. wasn't yeah the amount of interviews I see where they ask him is it improvised he's yeah. like no. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, give me some credit. Um, um, Adam Driver and Scott Johansson are just a power couple in this yeah. film. Like, yeah. they're both so strong with each other. I mean, needed to be as strong as each other to bounce those performances yeah. off. It's heartbreaking. It's also quite warming at some points. What I love about this is that it kind of takes the traditional, you know, like this is who's right, this is who's wrong, this is the situation, and every time it was a different character's point of view. I was like, well, the other character's an arsehole. The other character's yeah. completely wrong. And then when it jumped to the other character, I'm like, well, no, he or she's an arsehole. <laughs> like, you know, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. It was real. And because it felt real, that's why it's in my top 10 as well. It just, it, it, it was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, as a child of divorced parents. Same. Um, <laughs> Big up. Um, <laughs> it, it just, it just felt real. Um, and they felt like, I don't know. I, I don't know if there are much better performances other than Wacken Phoenix for me. Uh, um, uh, but no, I, I, it's such a strong film, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is the year of Adam Driver. I feel, I feel like the whole world has kind of woken up to his talent. Yeah. And this film shows it off so much. And I'll be really, really disappointed if he loses out to Wacken Phoenix <laughs> in The Joker for Best <laughs> Leading Actor. Okay. I'll be very dis- disappointed. 
So you may see us fight out on the live streams of the Oscars that we yeah, may be we doing. We will literally fight. <laughs> we will fight. Um, so anything more to say about... It's just phenomenal. And I, I think it's got, I think that we're planning to do a best of a decade list maybe coming yes, up soon. Yeah, definitely. And I imagine that's going to be so high up in that list. It just yeah. feels so strong, yeah. so solid and so timeless as well. Yeah. Like, like this film could have been set at, at any time really and it still would have felt the same. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. This, like you said, this could easily be a period piece. Mm. Um, it just it feels like, you know, our parents could watch it, our grandparents could watch it, and they could all relate to it. Um, but yeah, a great a great choice. Yeah, almost as good as my number one, which you haven't mentioned. Oh, um, what, what have I so forgotten? This movie, I don't even know if you probably didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> this movie for me, it's a musical, which are hit and miss for me. It's based on my favourite musician of all time. It's got a great, strong lead performance who just won a Golden Globe for best performance in a musical. It was Rocket Man. I love Rocket Man so much. And I cried like an absolute baby whose parents are getting divorced, (laughs) right? When it was the, the actual Rocket Man sequence where he goes from having his um, you know, his body pumped because he's just had an overdose and then he's literally thrown onto stage to perform. Mm. And just to know that this is this is what happened in real life, but it's it's done through like a, a, a big emotional um, musical sequence. I was gone. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't help it. But I I think it I just think it's it's magical. I think it's lovely. I think it's heartbreaking and I think it's probably one one of my favourite films of the decade, hence why it's number one. Um but I, all the elements just came together for me. Um I, I thought it was incredible. Tarrant Egerton was phenomenal in this too. And he yeah. actually sung, which is why I think this film has way more like respect. Well, I I, I way more respect to it that than Bohemian Rhapsody where, yeah. where he didn't sing. Yeah. It's just yeah. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, suffered for a, a, a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, with the the whole Brian Singer being a nonce, um, <laughs> and um, like all of the all of the um, surviving members of the band wanted equal screen time, which was ridiculous. So the editing was a mess. Um, and obviously, um, Dexter Fletcher, he did Bohemian Rhapsody. So, we'll yeah, so he wrapped up Bohemian Rhapsody. So I think he may have learned a lot from yeah. that film and brought it over to Rocket Man. Definitely. So it's not in my top list. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad film. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't up there for me. I think the main disconnect that I had with Rocket Man was it's kind of like a biographical story. Yeah. But he doesn't write the lyrics and the film's quite open about that. Right. And I think that's probably yeah. where I have a disconnect with that right. film that it's not in my top ten because I'm kind of like, it's a life story about him but the words in his songs which are used throughout aren't written by him. Right. And the film's quite loud about that. So that's probably where I kind of struggled See, that's, a bit. That's what worked for me because for me the film was about his relationship with... Uh, with Bernie, mm. uh, when they, you know, with yeah, with his songwriter, uh, and that's that's what the the film was based upon, um, and that's the story that they tell. And it, it just worked for me. All the elements uh, worked for me. Uh, you've got a kid who's come from um, like an abusive childhood, uh, and that kind of feeds into his addiction when he grows up, and he's whimsical, uh, and he's you know, obviously he's he's out, he's gay, and he's you know he's very open about it in a time where it's difficult to do that especially in in show business or with a working class family uh, it it was i just i just think all of those all of those elements just came together and i i loved it from start to finish there's not one weak moment for me personally i really like how different our lists are this year yeah and that there's lots that i didn't include and lots you didn't include yeah. and i i felt like it kind of shows how strong this year was yeah i think it's very strong year for films yeah in that we've got very different lists and 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 we kind of liked each other's films as well yes and we kind of forgot yeah. about those films i yeah. thought that was 
really powerful. Yeah. So a very strong, a very strong um, year for uh, for films. Um, none of us struggled for a top ten. Hence why I rambled on for twenty minutes about my. <laughs> so do you want to run down from your top ten? Oh Christ! I've got to find a way now. Okay. Uh, so my top ten. If you want to go fast. Um. So um. Uncut Gems number ten. Yeah. Then The Irishman, Book Smart, Knives Out, Eighth Grade, The Farewell, Little Women at number four, Us at number three. Avengers Endgame at number two and Marriage Story at number one. A good list. Almost as good as Shazam at number 10, <laughs> Jojo Rabbit at nine, Knives Out at eight, Booksmart at seven, Bombshell at six, Marriage Story at five, Vice at four, Little Women at three, Joker at two, and Rocket Man at number one. Um, let us know what, what you thought of the list and um, also what your favourite movies of the year were because we had so many honourable mentions but I forgot to include us on it <laughs> and you know so let us know what your uh, favourite movies of the last year were and I think we're going to do a, a top uh, 10 movies of the decade last yeah uh, maybe without the honourable mentions just because <laughs> if it's, I could imagine. It's, it'll go on for, for hours um, but yeah thank you for joining us I've been Brad Callum Angry Microwave bye see you later <laughs>